Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Green Magic, Green Medicine with your host, Ms. Susan Weed. Tonight, we'll be talking about reishi mushrooms and their healing qualities. Join us in our search. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Thank you so much, Nathan. And now the song is spinning. Blessed are we in the awakening dawn. Blessed are we in the morning. Blessed are we in the light of the day. As we enjoy the afternoon. Blessed. Blessed are we in the dark of the night As we slip into dreams that are calling Blessed are we in the awakening dawn Blessed are we in the morning Blessed All right, everyone, and that's Kelliana, who, by the way, does the song for the opener of the show. I've met her in person at, by the way, our local New Age, what you might call New Age witchy shop, whichever terms you're comfortable with, uh, did reopen. And I was nice to see, and it actually looked like they reopened. It's a better location. It's a nicer store. The energy seems a little cleaner in there. And I met Kelliana, well, first here online, doing podcasts, and then in the store while she was doing a performance. And it's good to see that that store has returned and seems to be doing okay. And I see Susan is in the queue, and I'm going to bring her on. I just realized well, I hadn't pushed one, and you didn't know I was sitting here. Oh, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> I saw it. <laughs> I was always so interested in what you have to say that that it took me a while to realize that that you couldn't see me. Oh, well, I think people are much more. I had to raise my hand in the common parlance, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, how have you been this week? It's been too bad word hot. Yes. Yes. And oh, I am not a person who says, ah, the heat, how wonderful. No, I'm a, oh, the cold, how delicious kind of person. So the summer is the season I just, you know, grit my teeth and get through. And we are. We had a wonderful weekend. We had uh, a workshop, uh, A Day with the Trees, which is always one of my favorite workshops of the year. Not the least of which is because when it's hot, we can escape to the forest and sit in the shade. I'm partial to slightly cooler weather. There are things I like about the hot summer. Sometimes 
but I like it when things when it breaks a little bit, kind of the autumn or the you know the early spring weather. And I'm fascinated by winter for human reasons, meaning I'm always fascinated about origins and how people survive. So I love seeing like the little fireplaces going and. There's something about it because I work outside a lot, you know, doing construction. So it, it, I think there's something about me that's fascinated by winter based on survival. <laughs> yes, I think so too. I think it makes for different kinds of communities where the weather is challenging enough that survival is a word. Yeah, we're not laying you know, on the beach. Laying on the beach is my least favorite activity. <laughs> I, I just don't understand. As it. opposed I don't to the kinds of cultures like, oh, and communities no. that build up well, where, where survival is hardly a word. You know, it, survival means that the coconut doesn't fall on your head. <laughs> and you you run into people, and that's like their ultimate paradise. And I understand that because it's like a break or a relaxation. But you're, I don't think you're being carved out or improving if you're on the beach all day. Now, I love the water, and I love to look at the water. Don't get me wrong. I love the view, and I love the this whole sort of yamaya, whatever, this energy of, <laughs> view of the well, great what water. Happens of, but, what happens, of course, is as you live there, the thousand and one things of daily life come up. Right. Because those are always the thousand and one things of daily life. They're always going to be there. I met a wonderful couple in Costa Rica who moved there a great many years ago, over 50 years ago, and, you know, basically bought a beach, you know, their own ocean frontage, and proceeded to live in paradise and then to have children. (laughs) And as soon as you do that, suddenly the whole outside world becomes desirable again, and she actually became the midwife for the entire community. Hmm. So even if you start off thinking you're just going to lay around on the beach, you soon wind up tending to all the things that need to be tended to. Of course. First, we had a wonderful, heavy, heavy rain here at last. And we have been a little on the dry side, very dry over the winter, and then just barely getting enough rain as the weeks go by through this hot weather and just, ah, just this drenching rain. And I was very excited when we went out in the forest on Saturday to commune with the trees to see mushrooms popping up here and there. It used to be that the forests here were such damp forests and so wet all summer that they were just, you know, the understory was mushrooms. There were so many, many, many mushrooms. And it's been years now because it's been dry and drier and drier that I, since I have seen the kind of both quantity um, in terms of different mushrooms and quantity in terms of the same mushroom. I remember one marvelous day when I went out uh, with the goats and the apprentices and we found a chanterelle patch so big that we literally had to take off all of our clothes to call the bounty home. Hmm. Hmm, so I am looking forward to some mushrooms this summer. Certainly black chanterelles, which are the ones that that need the the least uh, heavy moisture. The golden ones were, of course, the ones with, that we got pounds and pounds of because they grow big and fat and need so need a lot of moisture. And that's what we're going to talk about tonight is mushrooms. 
and specifically reishi mushrooms. <clears throat> we have spent, believe it or not, at least the past 13 weeks, by my count, about 13 weeks, uh, looking into information in Stephen Herod Booner's book, Herbal Antibiotics. I certainly hope that I am convincing you that this is an incredible book and one that you want to have at your fingertips because it's a lot easier than going to the archives and listening to me read from the book. Stephen Herod Booner, you can buy it at my wise woman bookshop dot com where you can also buy my books. Um, or, of course, you can buy Stephen Herod Booner's book, Herbal Antibiotics, as well as my books at that place named after a big, strong woman. Rishi is a Ganoderma. Derma means skin, and it's a mushroom that has a very conspicuous skin. It's considered a shelf mushroom. So if we think about mushrooms, usually when we say mushroom, we think stalk and cap. And that's like the white mushrooms um, that we buy in the store, or even the portobello mushrooms that we buy in the store. There's a stalk and there's a cap. But mushrooms can also grow off of trees, both living and dead trees, coming directly out from the bark of the tree and parallel to the earth in shelves. And it really does look like a series of very tight shelves. Sometimes the mushrooms are very closely shelved on one another, and sometimes they're enough, far enough apart that you can get your fingers in between. And Ganoderma mushrooms are shelf mushrooms, and Rishi is a Ganoderma. There are something between 80 and 250 species of Ganoderma. And Stephen, as always, likes to poke fun at the botanists um, and the mycologists for not being exactly sure how many species there are. Uh, but you know what? It's really hard to tell how many species there are. We don't have, actually, a definition of species. And so if something we don't have a definition of, it can be really hard to tell what is and what isn't. Furthermore, mushroom taxonomy, in other words, what relates to what's in mushrooms, has gone through enormous changes with the advent of DNA sequencing. And DNA, cheap DNA sequencing is allowing us to not classify things simply based on how they look to our eyes, but based on how much of their DNA is congruent, similar or exactly the same. And we are finding relationships that we wouldn't necessarily see with our naked eye. And so this is especially true in mushrooms. And that's partly because, I'll tell you from personal experience, mushrooms are really hard to sort. You say, okay, this mushroom, I'm going to sort it into mm, which family, which genus, and which species. When it gets down to species, we're getting real picky. So between 80 and 250 species of Ganoderma, you know what? It's okay with me because basically they're all the same. Okay, well, they're all different, but they're all different in being the same. And how they're the same is they can all be used medicinally and how they're the same is they're all beneficial. And how they're different is that in China, they are classified medicinally 
by color. And I found this part of Stephen's book fascinating because while I have seen some of these colors in Ganoderma, I have not seen all of them. It starts with blue. And I have been looking at mushrooms for a very long time, and I have never seen a blue mushroom. So maybe they don't mean by blue what I mean by blue, or maybe it's some other thing that's blue that they're talking about. But I'm thinking it's mushroom. Blue. Improves the eyesight, improves liver function, and calms the nerves. Red. And I think this is probably kind of a reddish, maroonish red. It's probably the most common reishi. Um, is considered the most medicinally potent and aids all the internal organs, improves memory, enhances vitality. Yellow. And I've seen yellow, uh, Ganoderma. It, mm, maybe light orange would be more what I would call it, and they don't have orange, so I'm going to kind of go and put in your mind this idea that it might not be like yellow like butter, yellow like a buttercup, but a kind of a, a, a toward the orangey kind of yellow, which is said to be sweet. Blue is sour, red is bitter, yellow is sweet, and that strengthens the spleen and calms the spirit. White, ah, I don't know. If I've ever seen a white reishi any more than I have seen a blue one, they can get fairly bleached out. Um, but they're just, I mean, there's like basically any ones that I've seen that are that old and that bleached out, there's like nothing left to them. So once again, I don't know exactly what white, is, what the meaning of actual white is here, but it's going to improve lung function, give courage and strong will. And black, and again, <clears throat> yep, I've seen them black, but that's because they've been like, eaten up by some kind of mold or other fungus that's on them, which has turned them black. So are they saying that if that has happened, it could still be used medicinally? Maybe, or maybe I don't understand what they mean by their colors. Black is salty. It protects the kidneys. And purple, probably haven't seen a purple one, is also sweet, like yellow, and it enhances the functions of the ears, the joints, the muscles, and makes the complexion beautiful. So aren't we lucky that the red one, which is the one I've seen the most, is considered the most medicinally potent and aids all of the internal organs as well as improving memory. It is the mushroom itself that's usually used, although more and more in modern herbal medicine and modern integrative medicine, it's mycelium that's being used. Did you sell reishi at the store where you worked? Oh, yes, Definitely. Uh, tincture, um, pill form, and perhaps other things. Absolutely. And, of course, there was no mention of color on it. It was just reishi. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And, again, which is always making me think about some of the the pills when they get into the point of powder, uh, powder, uh, how effective are they and all of that, or what are they at that point. I don't really well, know. Stephen says that unlike herbs, mushrooms are very effective as powders. Okay. Well, that's good news then. Mm-hmm. And Paul Stamets, Mr. Mushroom, also familiar. Uh huh. Also says powders just fine and mycelium just fine. Now Stephen says you can take reishi as tablets, tincture, syrup, powder. Or use it as a soup base. 
So that's a pretty wide range. The one thing that is very difficult to do is to get anything from Ganoderma on your own. Okay. Because these shelf fungus are hard. I remember the first one that I was working with somebody to see if we could make medicine out of it. And we tried smashing it with a hammer, which didn't work very well. And then we boiled it. I mean, boiled it, not just, you know, put it in some hot water. We really boiled it, vigorously boiled it for like three or four hours, and it just didn't seem to do anything at all. Right. It was so resistant. It's like, ah. You know, so I can understand grinding it and using the powder. Okay. And trusting that your body is going to, you know, get what it needs from that, although I like the idea of using it as a soup paste, but it would probably be the powder in a soup that would be the best way to take it. He says, if you're going to make a tincture of this, first you have to make a decoction of it. And you have to make the decoction from powdered reishi. So there you are. Even if you tincture it, you have to start with the powdered stuff. And then he goes into specific 16 ounces powdered reishi, 80 ounces of liquid, 64 ounces of which would be water and 16 alcohol, and then you bring it to a boil and you cover it and then you slow boil it for 30 minutes and then you cool it and then you pour it into a jar and you add more alcohol, 16 ounces more alcohol, and then you steep it for two weeks. That's the tincture. And so we see why traditionally it's ground up as a powder. And used as a powder. He says three to six grams a day in chronic disease, nine to 15 grams a day in acute conditions, and that should be equally divided into three doses. Stir into water and drink. And if you are poisoned by mushrooms, the thing to use to deal with your mushroom poisoning is powdered reishi. Between 120 and 200 grams of the powder in water three to five times. That's quite a bit of reishi. Yes. And in the store, I will say, some of the results we had of the customers coming back with great success one of them was from reishi and either powder or or pill powder form where people would come back and say, oh, thank you for recommending that back when I was in the store, which I'm not anymore. <laughs> and what kinds of things were they successful with? Um, mushroom tinctures, mushroom powder, mushroom pill, which basically was probably a mushroom powder. My my awkwardness, excuse me, what kinds of problems were they treating? Um, sometimes it was just immune stuff. A lot, of, a lot of times when people come in, I always recommended anything for to boost the immune system. And that would be one of them, certain mushroom immune uh, stuff. And... It would it would help the cold or an oregano tincture would be another one I'd recommend. Or there's a few other things that would be 
uh, so building. So when you were recommending Rishi to people, it would be to, as a general immune system nourisher and tonic to help them yes. function better. Not a, not a symptomatic thing. It's not my expertise. But I like face building. Uh-huh. Yeah. Or nettle infusion or, you know, anything that to me helps the blood, helps the immune system, um, that's the things I would recommend the most. And, I mean, Stephen has a huge list of actions. It's analgesic, which means it numbs or kills pain, anti-allergenic, which means it stops allergies, antibacterial, anti-hepatotoxic, means it's against Things that poison the liver, and we have his product. We had, or I mean, had his products in the store, and I, yeah, you know, I would always point to the mushroom immune, and people would come back with, anyway. But go ahead. The mushroom um, immune of Paul Stamets. Yep. Yes. Yeah, yeah Just formula. Amazing. So it's anti-hyperbilirubinemic. And I think we can understand this most easily by going to the contraindications. Contraindicated by obstructed bile duct. And bilirubin is a product of the liver and connected to bile. So if there is high bilirubin, then Rishi brings it down. Anti-hyperlemic. And lipids are fat, so it's against high fats, or we could say perhaps against high cholesterol, right? Hypocholesterolemic, anti-hypertriglyceridemic, which means it brings down high triglycerides, anti-inflammatory. Anti-nephrotoxic, so it protects the kidneys against poisons. Anti-tumor, antiviral. What a lot of antis Rishi has. It is a cholagog, which means it increases bile flow. A choleretic, which means it increases the amount of bile. A coronary vasodilator, it dilates the um, vascular system around the heart. A hepatoregenerator, it helps the liver regenerate. A hypotensive, which means that it lowers blood pressure. Immunomodulator and immunostimulant, what you most recommended it for. And a spleen and thymus tonic. As an immune stimulant, Rishi has been shown to stimulate the formation of interleukin-1, interleukin-2, and to increase phagocytosis and lymphocyte proliferation. It also enhances natural killer cells, activates macrophages, enhances polymorphonuclear leukocytes, and protects and enhances T cells. That's a whole lot of stuff going on in the immune system. So it's kind of like when we take Rishi, the immune system wins the lottery. Rishi enhances the weight and functioning of the thymus gland. It stimulates gamma interferon production. And it is an anti-tumor agent. It reduces the proliferation of tumor cells and inhibits tumor growth. 
Rishi is an antiviral. It's been shown to be active against viruses such as HIV and HBV. So certainly your recommendation was right on. People dealing with viral infections, people dealing with weakened immune systems, people dealing with any of the consequences of a weakened immune system, such as cancer, everybody is going to benefit from Rishi, except people who have obstructed bile ducts. Shouldn't use it then, because again, it makes more bile, so that's not going to be good if that's obstructed. Side effects, occasional skin rash, occasional diarrhea, sometimes dry mouth, interference with sleep, bloating, increase in urination, sweating, nausea. All these adverse reactions cease immediately upon discontinuance of working with Rishi. And if you want to keep taking Rishi and there's some nausea, you can simply take that with meals, and apparently that resolves that. Rishi is synergistic with drugs that are given that affect the immune system, such as cefazolin, interferon alpha, interferon gamma. And it is not just synergistic with, but potently synergistic with a cyclovir, an antiviral often given to help those dealing with shingles. Don't mess around with Rishi if you're on immunosuppressive drugs. Don't mess around with anything if you're on immunosuppressive drugs because almost everything interacts with immunosuppressive drugs, but Rishi particularly, so do stay away from that. And if you're taking blood thinning medications such as aspirin or warfarin, the Rishi, which also thins the blood might be a little bit too much if you take it in quantity or if you take too much over a long period of time. And again, Stephen's recommending 3 to 6 grams a day in chronic disease, but up to 15 grams a day in acute conditions and up to 200 grams a day if there is poisoning. So those would be the kinds of situations where we might get into trouble. At the 3 gram a day dose for chronic disease, I doubt that there's going to be any interaction with a blood thinning medication because Rishi is not that blood thinning. And actually, when herbalists talk about blood thinning, they really don't mean the same kind of thing that modern medicine means by blood thinning. In fact, when herbalists of yore talked about blood thinning, they didn't mean anything like that. What they meant was that the capillaries, um, the capillary bed comes closer to the surface of the skin, and the skin is more able to uh, let go of heat during the hot summer months. So we wanted to have thin blood during the summer so that we could accommodate the heat, and we wanted to have thick blood during the winter, which would keep the heat inside and the capillary bed would retract and go back away from the surface so that we wouldn't be cold in the wintertime. 
Now, it can be hard to tell what an herbalist means because we do recognize that there are plants, especially those in the gallium family, that do thin the blood the same way that warfarin or aspirin would. But, um, you know, when I say the same way, I'm not really telling the truth because they don't really do it in the same way. And I was talking to um, a surgeon some years ago, and he said he found the whole thing about herbs and herb capsules being blood thinning um, to really be just uh, not so true that he operates on a great many people and they're taking supplements, herbal supplements of any kind. He lets them continue to take them right up to uh, no further food time before the surgery. And he says he does not see any increase in bleeding. He says when you're talking about something like warfarin, which really is a very severe blood thinner, that there isn't really not much of an additive effect. And if there is, he says, why don't we just reduce the dose of the blood thinning drug itself? The voice of reason there. And not We should not eschew or avoid herbs especially like Rishi, which has such a broad-spectrum health-inducing effect in favor of a drug. We should take less drug if there's going to be an additive effect. And that is all we have time for this week about Rishi. So we will need to come back next week and talk about traditional uses in India and China and some scientific research about Rishi. And there are a lot of scientific studies. So we'll be having an interesting and fun time when we resume with Rishi next week. Thank you so much for giving me this opportunity to remind us all that herbal medicine is people's medicine. It's the medicine that grows right outside your door. And in Japan, when you go into the supermarket, there's a pile of logs. And those logs are not for burning in your fireplace. Those are rishi logs. And you can buy one, and you can grow your own rishi. It's that right outside your door, maybe even right inside your door when we're talking about rishi. Talk to you next week. Green blessing. All right. Thank you so much, Susan, and green blessings to you. And there's not going to be a closing song this evening, except for meaning that I'm going to sing one live on the air. It's one that I recently wrote, and it's a pagan lullaby. <laughs> you can leave or stick around or listen to the archive or do whatever you want, Susan, but this is how I, I was excited about this. <coughs> so I wanted to share it. It's only about six lines, five or six lines, kind of like a lullaby, if you know what I mean. So thank you so much for joining us, and that's how I'm going to close it. And uh, it, it's to the melody of our first um, album. So anyway, here it goes. I don't usually sing on the air, but I just felt like it this evening. So I'll say, Dream in faith The fool will fall from the mountain To an unknown place Her bravery helps her descend Gentle 
the leaves flow to their mother. Now it begins, the magus is born again. Beyond the veil, a queen is guarding her secrets. Follow this trail, a secret to you she will send. Dream in faith, the moon protects you with shadows. Dream away, the morning star rises again. And there it is. (laughs) Thank you, that was beautiful. Thank you so much, and thank you for joining us, as usual, and sharing so much information. So glad to have you here for five years. Anyway, everybody, you've been listening to Green Magic, Green Medicine with Susan Weed. I am Daniel Michael, the founder and co-creator of the Main Street Universal Radio Network, and we will see you again next Tuesday. Forbidden archaeology, forgotten history, divination, Magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network. Archaeology, forgotten history, divination, magic, cryptozoology, UFOs, nature, science, and spirit. All this and more right here on the Main Street Universe Radio Network.